Corinthians chapter 9. I can find it here myself. I keep skipping over the chapter. And I've actually... Um, I'm going to have the message translation, which is going to read slightly different than what you've got, right? Is everybody okay? Are we here together? Are we collected? Yes? Okay. All right. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 15 out of the message translation. Here we go. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right-living, right-giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God, who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals, is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way producing with us great praise to God. Carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. This relief offering is a prod to live at your very best, showing your gratitude to God by being openly obedient to the plain meaning of the message of Christ. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters, and really toward everyone. Meanwhile, moved by the extravagance of God in your lives, they'll respond by praying for you in passionate intercession for whatever you need. Thank God for this gift, his gift. No language can praise it enough. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. Oh, Lord, once again, I thank you that we can gather here today and gather in your name. We thank you for the sunshine and for the warmth and lightness of spirit that it can give us and the way it flows through this space that we share. I would ask for a word for your people, that we may be indeed a generous congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. Right here in this little section in 2 Corinthians, Paul is referring to a specific set of events that we can actually track pretty well. This doesn't always happen in scripture, but we can actually track pretty well uh, through First and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Romans, and Acts. 
Now, not everything in Scripture is repeated or talked about in that many books, so this is actually sort of a remarkable event. And the event, what is the event? It's a special offering that Paul is encouraging, promoting, and what? Securing, just like a good fundraiser, right? from some mostly Gentile Christian churches for the mostly Jewish Christian church in Jerusalem. Okay? So he's writing to the Gentiles saying, okay, you're going to support your brothers and sisters Christians here in Jerusalem? Yep, yep, that's true. They're mostly Jewish there of root and heritage. But he's wanting them to do that. Why? The Jerusalem church is having financial difficulties. So Paul, again, good fundraiser, right? He's asking the Gentile Christians to provide money to primarily Jewish Christians, people they don't know, people they will likely never know, never meet, and likely people with whom they have several deep and abiding theological disagreements, right? We know this because we know how the the two groups came into the Christian faith, right? Now, this offering, according to Paul and what he's written here, does a couple of things. First, it provides much-needed financial help to fellow Christians, right? Just makes sense. Somebody gives you money because you need it, right? Now, what else does it do? For Paul, it reflects and demonstrates the unity of the body of Christ, the Christian church, regardless of how the people came to faith or where they started, whether it's Jews or Gentiles. And then Paul begins to wax sort of philosophically, we might say, and theologically to explain why this offering is so important. And his points here are clear. First, what does he say? The harvest only equals the seed that is sown. No more, no less. Therefore, sow a little, reap a little, sow a little, reap a little. Right? So what? Bountifully, he says, and what? Reap bountifully. In other words, wild and crazy generosity leads to wild and crazy blessings. Now, this is not karma, right? You might think, oh, karma, you, you know, blah, blah. That's Hindu and Buddhist thought. Y'all probably already know that. But it is actually, karma is actually a reward and punishment system. And it de- directly impacts, right, your future incarnation. So if you've been, like, bad, you're coming back as a dog. Not my dog, of course, because she's beautiful and cute and wonderful. <laughs> Some mean dog. <laughs> if you've been good, I don't know, you want to come back as a butterfly? I don't know. Right? But karma's about reincarnation and what you come back as and how your, how your past impacts that, impacts your future. So this is not karma. What Paul is talking about here is much more reality-based as well as relational. You know, it is a reality that stingy equals stingy. It just simply is. Lavish equal lavish. This is really akin to knowing that if you don't have a rose bush in your yard, you're not going to have blooming roses in your yard. This is just sort of, it's just like, you know, it's math. (laughs) Right? You plant tomato plants, what are you going to get? Asparagus. No. What are you going to get? 
Do you all not know the answer to this question? This is not rocket science. <laughs> it is, however, creation science. <laughs> okay, look, some things are just simple facts, right? Stingy equals stingy, lavish equal lavish. Even more relationally, are we one great big giant human race or a whole bunch of little human races? Paul doesn't ask that direct question, but he is asking that question. Think about fences. Are fences to actually keep other people out or are they going to keep us in? What kind of relationship, asked Paul, are you trying to have with your neighbor? Beekner puts it this way, Frederick Beekner. Avarice, greed, materialism, gluttony, piggishness, and so forth are all based on a mathematical truism that the more you get, the more you have. Right? That's also math. Jesus says, because he comes into it from a completely different way, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is based on the human truth that the more you give away in love, the more you are. The more you give away in love, the more you are. It is not just for the sake of other people that Jesus tells us to give rather than get, but for our own sakes too. Second, however much you give, says Paul, well, that's on you. Right? That's on you. And it should reflect who you are and what you prioritize. Give what is in your heart to give, not from guilt or shame or in some kind of an effort to bribe God or compete with someone else or one-up someone else. Give of yourself real and take responsibility for it, says Paul. Now, Paul is clearly encouraging generosity here, right? But he's also, noticed encouraging folks to be authentic. To really give from what lies within them and be prepared to accept responsibility for their actions and whoever they are. So it's okay. He almost in some way seems to be saying, you don't want to give a bunch? That's okay, but just own that. Now, obviously, Paul wants everybody to be like 100 million thousand generous. Of course he does. But at the same time, it's like, don't play games with it. Be real. Because you can't be transformed until you're honest about who you really are and what's really important to you. Third, Paul has no doubt that God's grace is poured out in abundance, that we may have sufficient material needs as well as feel full in living a Christ-like life that gives large and lives large in righteousness and generosity. If God provides for us in abundance, then we need not worry about our needs being met, which means that we can more than afford to be generous and give abundantly. What does Jesus say about the lilies of the field? Aside from Sidney Poitier singing that great song that only 
old people remember. <laughs> Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Consider the lilies of the field. Lastly, Paul, what? Praise for the Corinthians and by extension, praise for us. Reminding us that God is a supplier of all our need. In other words, for people of faith, we need to recognize and remember that for us, there is no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. No such thing. Not for us. Paul writes in Romans, we do not live to ourselves, we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Everything we are, everything we have, everything we ever will be, is all about God's grace. Grace, which has always been, is now, and always will be into eternity. Paul further reminds us that our generosity actually blesses God. Sounds sort of funny, doesn't it? And causes others to bless God as they see us act in generosity and with God's abundant grace, which is our witness to the gospel that we claim to believe and say we will live via our baptisms. Yes? There was an abundance of food yesterday for the Huddleston family, which was a beautiful sight to see. And I wish each one of you could have heard all the lovely comments that folks made about the spread that you all provided for the Huddlestons. People remember, make notice, and pay attention to generous actions. Our generosity makes a difference. It makes a difference. Now, it might be true that that is especially the case when folks are hurting and traumatized and wounded. But nevertheless, our generosity sends a very clear message about our God, about this church, about each one of us, and it makes a difference. And a lot of you helped out and made that meal possible. So I say, well done, thy good and faithful servants. I didn't write that part. Right as scripture. So, according to Paul, and I think he's on to something here, you gave God and this church some really good press. Not fake news, really good press yesterday. God got good press because of your generosity. We can send all kinds of messages about God by our behavior and about this church by our behavior. Well done, thy good and faithful servants. Now, four times a year, we are asked and invited 
to collect a special offering that extends far beyond our Wanamaker borders. This is a test. Do you know what they all are? <laughs> one great hour sharing. Yeah, everybody nod. Yeah, we, oh yeah, we remember that one. Right? Typically goes for helping those who are affected by natural disasters. And man, we've had them. Last fall was one after the other. America for Christ. Now that money actually stays in the United States. It supports existing and new ministries in churches and also in community centers, just like our Edna Martin Christian Center. World Mission Offering, just as it says, where does it go? It's used in other countries around the world to support particular ministries. Some of that can be about having a well with clean water. Some of that can be about... Stopping human trafficking can be about all kinds of things going on around the world. And the last one, retired ministers and missionaries offering, and it provides love gifts to retired ministers and missionaries or their spouses. So you're probably aware that January has been the month that we have collected for the retired ministers and missionaries offering, right? Everybody knows that. You're all on board. Everybody remembers. Now, some of our special offerings are akin to the one that Paul is soliciting here. The funds go to people in need, people we don't know, in a place we've never seen, and likely never will. Right? Most of the time, we write checks for our special offerings, and we may not know for months how those funds are even spent. We trust that our funds are being used wisely, of course, and that these special offerings give God and the Christian church good press. Additionally, we trust that these special offerings unify us as a church, just as what Paul was trying to do, as a denomination, and because other denominations participate in some of these same special offerings, these offerings actually unify us as Christians around the world, which is quite a witness. And it sends a very clear message about the lavish generosity of our God and the lavish generosity of God's people who we typically call Christians, for better or for worse. Now, as far as I know, and I think I'm right about this, but I'm counting on somebody to prove me wrong if you can. So have at it. The retired ministers and missionaries special offering is limited to American Baptists. That is a special offering that we do. Our churches collect funds, send them to our national headquarters in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, and there they are then distributed to American Baptists, retired ministers, missionaries, or their spouses. Now, the retired ministers and missionaries offering is different from the other three, at least for us. Why? We have a real life retired minister in our midst. That is why <laughs> we call him Reverend Jim Waters. <laughs> He's there with his wife, Wilma, lovely daughter, Jackie, who grew up in this church, I bet. Spent a few years here. And now has come back to help us. Thank you. We have a real live retired minister in our midst. And we are fortunate and blessed to hear from Jim, 
right? Hear his gratitude for the love gift that he receives as a result of our giving. And he shared that just a couple weeks ago and has done it before. So here we can exactly learn how our funds are being used, right? Which I think is a blessing. I would also say, I wish you got a check for about $5,000 every year, Jim. Because I'm sure you had a year or two where you were underpaid at least by that much. (laughs) So today, I ask you and I invite you, much as Paul has done, to give generously to our retired ministers and missionaries offering. Why should I do that, you ask? I know, it is a silly question. But I have the answer, Liam. (laughs) That's pretty funny too. I know, I agree with that. Why should I? Everybody always wants something from me. I'm giving my tithes. Why do I give offerings? I know, I hear all that. Yep, you're right. Not going to disagree. Here's why. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right-living, right-giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full form, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. This relief offering is a prod to live at your very best. Showing your gratitude to God by being openly obedient to the plain meaning of the message of Christ. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters and really toward everyone. Meanwhile, moved by the extravagance of God in your lives, they'll respond by praying for you in passionate intercession for whatever you need. Thank God for this gift, his gift. No language can praise it enough. Now to him, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations 
forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks be to God.